continuing with the first interview, Art Bell and Malachi Martin, 1996. demographics of possession. Um, we saw the exorcist. Can a child be possessed? No, except unless in, in exceptional cases you have children born and quickly developing at uh, the age of four, five, with a will as strong as a person of 25, really. Mm -hmm. And they can undergo possession, but it's rare. It's very rare. They can be harassed and obsessed, and that's usually generationally on account of the parents, on account of an aunt, on account of an uncle. How, um, let's see, what's the right word, what word am I looking for? In, in a generational case of uh, possession, uh, is the, does the parent actively, um, actively teach this child oh, yes. in, in the oh, dark way? Is it? Oh, oh, oh yes, yes. They, they assign the child to their demon. They, they're satisfied with that. The demon becomes what they call a familiar of theirs. And they give it a name. They call it Philip. They call it George. They call it John. They call it James. They call it Mary. Whatever. And they assign the child to it. They teach the child to do a base end to it. And they make the child participate in ceremony. Say, Satanist ceremonies. Wow. There's a lot of that going on? In America? A today? lot. It's very hard to say a lot. As it goes on uh, continually and sustainably in certain areas, yes. And uh, whether it's Boston or whether it's Montana or California or New Mexico, it, the, the place doesn't matter. The place doesn't matter. There, I must confess to you that there is um, a lot of very impressive generational cases uh, are found or have been found, not all, but a lot of such cases have been found amongst old American families. The old um, the traditional... Yeah, 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 yeah. The old originally family. came over on the Mayflower kind that's of American families? That's that sort of business. That's sort of business, yes. It's a murky story and has never been written up properly, mainly because well, it concerns family genealogies, you know, and uh, <laughs> it's hard to write that up and get it published. Then what's the point? But you come across generational possession and harassment, or possession too, in such families, such old, old families, whether they're Dutch Reformed or whether they're Puritan or whatever. I suppose getting it in print, uh, one reason might be the, the truth, Doctor. Um, all right, I'll back now to... Uh, Dr. Malachi Martin, and uh, Doctor, uh, you're yes. in, I haven't even told everybody, you're in Manhattan, aren't you? That's right, I live in Manhattan, upper Manhattan. Um, doctor, as a young priest, how did you first, uh, what was your first exorcism, and uh, how was you, what was your reaction to it? Well, my first exorcism was in Cairo, Egypt, and I was a young priest, and I was an archaeologist. I was lying on my belly on my back in caves. Uh, on, on the Sinai Peninsula, copying inscriptions, inscriptions dating from about the time of Abraham, about 1600 or 1700 B.C. Uh, that's about, what, 3,000 years ago, more than 3,000 years ago. And uh, the, an exorcism was going on, and I didn't know it when I came back down 
and his assistant has collapsed, uh, which is not uncommon with young assistants, uh, uh, because in your first exorcism, which you've never done it before, the impact is so great, sometimes you become totally incontinent. <laughs> it scares you, scares you. Uh, to the point where you can't move and can't speak and can't help. And everything, all the portals are loose. You have diarrhea, you vomit. Uh, because it's so repellent. It's so shocking. So it's not for the weak of heart? No, 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 it's not. And I'll, I'll describe in a moment exactly what is the repellent part about it. All right. Um, but so I was asked to assist, so I did. And uh, apparently my co I, was, I had a very strong constitution, still have. And, um, and I hadn't got that effect. It had, a, uh, it had a disgusting effect. It always has. That was the first time. It was a very sticky exorcism. In general, if you want to understand what an exorcism is like and what's really the essence, of the difficulty, the, the, the horror of it is this, uh, you must imagine, say, a common scene. It's a room. It's always within a, room, within a house. It's in a room. There's nothing on the walls, no nails, no pictures, nothing that can move. Um, if the windows are there, they're barred, it shatters. You don't have glass around the place that can be shattered. Um, all of this is prepared. All of this is prepared. And you have the person in question is either violent or not. Most times not violent to begin with. And there's either a bed, or an iron bed, or a chair, or whatever. There's a, 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 you have no table, but people, you have a, an exorcist with an assistant, and he has an assistant. The assistant is a priest, and then he has several other people, usually men, uh, dressed in, in clothes that can take a lot of hardware. And um, they carry everything in their hands. They have to have a candle, and they have to have holy water, and they have to have the priest's uh, a prayer book, etc. Now, here's the point. I said before that People go undergo a psychiatric examination, undergo a medical examination, and finally people say, okay, let's try exorcism. Mm -hmm. uh, and I said that I mean, within the first 20 minutes, you know if it's a real case of possession, and then you're into it, and you can't withdraw. You can't simply say, okay, boys, let's break up and see each other next Monday. You can't do that. Once you start it, you've got to finish it. Or else what? Uh, why? Or else you are pursued by that demon. You are pursued, the yes. exorcist. That's right, and everybody in that room has troubles. Um, and the troubles can be, can be extraordinary. I mean, I've seen assistants trying to hold somebody down and dropping the person and looking at each other because the, the person, the possessed person, has started telling, the, telling one man what the other man did to his wife. Oh, boy. Oh, yes, uh, yes, we've been through that too. And sometimes it's a lie, sometimes it's true, sometimes it's an exaggeration. Anyway, but after the first 20 minutes, what happens? In that 20 minutes, the following happens. Now, the temperature of the room may change, there may be a horrible smell, there may not be a horrible smell. All those are incidental things the olfactory experience or the, the heat and the cold experience. But here's the the, the, the real point. At a certain moment, if it's really an exorcism, and if we are in the presence of a possessing spirit or a threatening spirit, demon, everybody in the room, the priest and his assistant and the assistant,
on some some experiences of people listening to me and you yourself are you know there's something in the room that wants you dead but dead 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 uh, i mean i've only been twice in my life threatened with real death but really threatened once was in czechoslovakia and once was in america and uh, it's a horrible feeling knowing that unless something happens you are going to die now yes and that's the, the it's like a an invisible animal with claws and it wants you dead it really wants your life's blood it wants you extinguished has it happened doctor has uh, an assistant or an exorcist or anybody present at an exorcism ever been killed well no but they have died of heart attack they've died of uh, some form of of internal health attack none of them have been killed exactly except in one case i wasn't present at it there was a case in america where the person was flung out a window and defenestrated and killed eight stories down well out a window or a heart attack it's dead you know, it's dead but the point is that the experience is everybody in the room suddenly knows you don't even look at each other you know especially if you've done exorcism before with the same team you know this is it we're now in that presence it's a, uh, and the point is this here's the point i want to drive home it's a confrontation not a series of prayers of pious wishes and of uh, deliverance and healing uh, invocations no 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 this is a confrontation between the exorcist's will and the possessing demon or the harassing demon and thereby then there comes the conversation because the exorcist has to find out the name what the demon calls himself if we want to speak about himself not himself or herself as we all know but anyway what they what their name is and the name is usually a reflection of their function what their their function is as an evil spirit and you have you have to get them to admit that there are certain rules you never answer a question put to you by the possessed person you always fling a question back at them how do you know when you are speaking with that demon it is impossible not to know it once the person starts talking it is impossible not to know you you know everybody in the room knows and it's not a change of voice sometimes the voice is a, is a big change in the voice sometimes it's a small change but there's something the manifestation of the spirit when it's cornered by a, an authorized exorcist is palpably clear like the nose in your face everybody knows and there's no deception about it and it has this bone chilling effect so it's like a war it, it's all it's a war once it's a it begins it's a real confrontation and this is where people make a mistake uh, about treating with uh, with evil spirits if they think or suspect or know that they're being bothered they attempt to take it on themselves and you can't do it you have no authority well i was going to say this is one of those don't try it at home things in other words that's right you you don't sit by a bed and attempt yourself not no, knowing what you're doing no, to no, say no. A, say a nice little prayer that this no, spirit will no. leave the body you you can do that if you want to and it's it's okay to do it and it does relieve the pressure of the tension blah, blah 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 but it does not it does not dispossess a possessing spirit it does not for that you need authority and this is the difficulty that uh, buddhists and uh, jews and non-catholics sometimes come to us and say we've been trying exorcism and it doesn't work and uh, one would laugh if it weren't so pathetic at times because they must have the it's only the authority of christ 
can't get rid of them. Can't get rid of the spirits. And that's what takes place. And then that can be long or short. It can be a long game of cat and mouse trying to trap the demon, trying to get it to, to conceal. And then it lapses into complete silence or violence. Doctor, we hear of successes at the end. The story usually ends well. Are there failures? Are there times There when... are failures, but it's total failure. And that is calamitous because then that means the person goes ahead possessed. It means that the exorcist has, has sacrificed something for nothing. Because let me explain something to your art, which is very hard to explain. <clears throat> but there are parallels, analogies, and life that helps. When you do exorcism, you give something, but you can't get back. It's like, for instance, any parent who has reared children will tell you, oh, I gave them so much love. Yes. And they're not talking about money or, or uh, food. or the, no, They're thinking about what they gave of themselves. You give of yourself in love and affection and devotion and, uh, and planning, etc., etc. And you can't get it back. And no parent wants it back, really. Similarly with an exorcism, slice of death. Yes, a little slice. And, uh, for instance, after a bad exorcism, I mean a long, unhealthy one, you don't eat very much for a couple of weeks and you don't sleep very deeply either. You can't. You can't. You, you've been locked in combat with a, with a very, very insalubrious, unhealthy, anti-human, uh, hating spirit that has communicated with you. For those uh, not of faith, um, are there, during the course of exorcisms, actual physical manifestations uh, in or near the person or around the person or in the room, as in the movie? How, do things ever move? Do, do you actually... Oh, yes. Oh, yes, things move. If there's anything movable in the room, it's going to move. If there are nails on the wall, if there are pictures, if there are windows that can be broken, they'll be probably be broken. If there are... If there's something which is weak, uh, 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 unbreakable, it can break. Uh, it can move. Uh, and um, so you want to have a very bare situation completely. And even then, the exorcist is not, um, is not uh, free once it's all over. I've been flung out of bed. I've been knocked off stools and broken my shoulder um, by the demon get his own back just to remind me he was there uh, and to make me pay a price for the damage I did. This is like going to war. It's very much like going to well, war. Going to war. That's hard. What most people don't realize is that there's a spiritual war on, and as St. Paul says, it's a war with the spirits. It's a war with the, uh, with the forces of evil, the invisible forces that want men's souls. Are there times as a priest mm -hmm. where... Um, even the very best of men, doctors, sometimes um, fear war reasonably. Does a priest sometimes fear entering this war when you yes. when you know you are about to uh, yes. meet up once again with yes. the worst? Yes, there's always that fear. And a very old exorcist gave me advice years ago in Ireland. I mentioned this to him, and he said, "Okay, but listen, learn to measure." your love of God by the amount of fear in your heart. Which is a very profound statement. It is, yes. 
because if it depends on how much you love God. And if you really love Him as Father, as Savior, uh, and as final end of everything, and as the beautifier, and as the, the creator of nature, the creator of all beauty in our lives, um, it can expel fear. But if you nourish fear, uh, fear can grow and uh, not quant quantitatively, but it can equal or surpass the amount of love you have in your heart. And then you're in danger because that fear is going to make you despair. That fear is going to make you timorous. That fear is going to make you vulnerable. Vulnerable. Lo love is the only thing that can cure it. Love is the only uh, protection we have. You mentioned there were priests who do not believe that people right. are possessed. That's right. That's right. Um, do they carry that belief because of fear, do you think, uh, for the most part? or No, Art. I, the cases I have known are priests whose faith has been diminished. See, faith is not a quantum, like a, a bank balance or something in your pocket. Yes. or clothes you wear. It's a dimension of soul. And that dimension can be greater or less, greater or lesser. And it can be diminished by infidelities, by sin, by fecklessness, by carelessness. It can be increased by virtue. It can be increased by good actions. It can be increased by the grace of God. But it's usually because of the lack of faith. Faith. When they... They think that there's no such thing as evil, really. That it's okay, do what you like, and, uh, just don't frighten the horses. <laughs> and, but there are iron laws, though. God has laws, and he, he doesn't allow them to violate You can violate them, but you're going to pay the price. And one of the prices is that you slowly but surely edge towards that region of human existence where the demons are dominant. And they will satisfy you. They'll give you a good life. But you end up, they're a prisoner. They're a prisoner. Is there ever a case where the person uh, who is possessed yes. dies in the course of the exorcism? Yes, it has happened. And it's caused untold trouble because there's usually a lawsuit. But that's why we are very careful as regards the medical condition of the person that we exorcise. Uh, what has been, uh, you say there's a, a lawsuit. Um, what? Well, I mean, the, 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 the husband or the wife or the boy or the friend or the son or the daughter sue the priest. Sue the priest? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For having put their, their relative through uh, an experience that caused them to have a heart attack, caused them to have a coronary, whatever. Um, it, has, it has happened. What would happen... A doctor to the soul of the person who would uh, uh, die under such circumstances? Under those circumstances, we must say we don't know. There's always the chance. You know the old story between the bridge and the water? This man was pursued by his enemies of living in sin, and he tried to jump over a bridge and swim into the water, but uh, they shot him. Yes. But before his body hit the water, he had repented. There's always this. You never know. You just never know. I just wouldn't like to be in that position. Uh, myself. Uh, has that happened to you? Yes, it has happened to me. It has happened to me. And it's, it's very distressing. And um, then I, I've been asked to go see people who are possessed by their husband or their wife or their brother or their sister. 
and come away empty-handed. They simply told me to go to hell. Literally. 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 Well, that would be one pretty good sign, wouldn't it? I mean, it's just it not something you do very, to tell a priest very, to go to hell. It's very discouraging. Very discouraging, and uh, they do it with great hate. Great hate. Well, as I say, wouldn't that be a very clear sign? It is. It is, Art. It and is. so if you are told to go to hell, to get out of here, I don't want anything to do with you, which I can imagine, more than not, you might be told, then, then what do you do? Well, if you go away and you pray. But, you see, for instance, if I go into the greengrocer and uh, I find the milk he's uh, supplying me is rotten, and I uh, say, listen, this milk is, is smells highly, he says, listen, buddy, get the hell out of here. That's, that's one way of, that, that merely means stop bothering me. But if somebody tells you in the way that it does happen now and again to an exorcist, please go to hell. Because that's where I'm going. I want to be with the prince. I'm quoting a, a certain case to you, then it chills your bones because you know you're up against somebody perfectly possessed who just is waiting to die and go home to his master. Have you ever wondered, uh, doctor, about your own heart, about your own constitution going into one of these? Yes, I have. Yes, I have. And my, my, my heart specialist has always warned me that, that uh, there's a danger there. Um, and I know there is, there is, but you see, uh, there's a, I mean, at the, when you're over 70, um, you know, the amount of good you can do in this world is limited because you're no longer 20, 25, 30, and therefore whatever good you can do, you do if you're wise, because uh, one day soon I'm going to take the high jump. As we all shall. As we all shall. So uh, even today, uh, if you encountered it, you would uh, you would still do it. Oh yes, I would. Oh yes, I would. Because the the commiseration, the human compassion, and the pity that the Holy Spirit puts in your heart impels you. Because they are miserable, and uh, they make appeals to you, and they, uh, unless they're completely possessed. Doctor, doctor, hold tight, relax. Well, all right, there are stations that are just joining us now. You have missed two very important hours, and it's going to be impossible to catch you up, but we'll try. Malachi Martin, my guest, is an ex-Jesuit, former exorcist for many, many years, and one-time advisor to three popes. He is now a best-selling author as a premier investigator of the clandestine politics and unlikely alliances of popes and cardinals. Dr. Martin... Uh, offers rare insights in his books into the men who guide nearly a billion people in faith and broker the destinies of countries and continents. As a member of the Vatican Intelligence Network under Pope John XXIII, Martin helped extend the church into Iron Curtain countries. In 1964, concerned about the corrupting influences of power, Martin was released from his vows of poverty and obedience after 25 years as a Jesuit. He left Rome for New York, where he did odd jobs, until a Guggenheim Fellowship enabled him to write his first bestseller, Hostage to the Devil, followed by the final conclave, Vatican, Three Popes and the Cardinal, The Keys of This Blood, The Jesuits, and others. He has been reviewed uh, by many, 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 many. Forbes said, No spiritual journey is complete without a Vatican page turner by Malachi Martin.
Sacramento Bee said it is to Martin's credit that his real-life fictional cardinals have flesh, bone, and blood, sometimes the heart of a South Chicago ward healer. <laughs> the Dallas Morning News said in biblical times they would have called him a prophet. He just described in, in great detail um, what exorcisms are like. Uh, doctor, are you yes. there? How, uh, you've held up for, through great exorcisms. How are you holding up this morning? Uh, very well, very well indeed. I, I mean, uh, this has been an exhilarating experience, Art. All right, I, I have a lady who would like to speak to you. She sent me a fax, uh, Doctor, and I called her. She sent me the following. Yes. Art, please help me. If I'm not possessed, then I'm being harassed, tormented, used, abused, sodomized, all of it. I believe my mother promised me to her evil spirit. My family is an old American family. I was I converted to Judaism 30 years ago, and uh, she sounded so much like somebody you described that I thought I would bring her on the air for a moment. Uh, she, her name is Eva. Eva, are you there? Yes. Uh, you're on. My name is Eva. Eva. All right, Eva. You. Are, I'm sorry. You're on the air with uh, uh, Dr. Martin. How do you do, Dr. Martin? Good morning, Eva. Good morning. Um, Can you hear me? Yes, very well. Thank you. Good. Um, if you are in that condition. If you think you fulfill all those conditions in your life, you should apply to the local bishop, the bishop of the diocese in which you live. I don't know what that diocese is. I don't need to know. San Francisco diocese. San Francisco, oh, yeah. Well, there may be a difficulty there because uh, <laughs> yeah. a, a lot of the clergy uh, in San Francisco have given up any belief in the existence of evil above all of the existence of evil spirits, and I wouldn't at all be surprised if the Archbishop of San Francisco is among those. Yes. I do not know, Eva. Uh, I, I don't, I would, don't work. I love San Francisco. I've been there several times in my life. I'd love to live there. Don't, don't bother. I, I don't choose to be here. <laughs> uh, I know. Uh, I know. Well, that, that's what happens with most of us. Uh, our, our place of of living is imposed on. But in any case, you have to apply to the local bishop for for an exorcist. Now, you say that a person who is truly possessed yes. is aware of it and, and has made a deal. Well, put it like this, yes. With, with conditions and restrictions, that's true of anybody who's possessed, partially possessed. Is or it fully a straightforward deal? What's that? Is it a straightforward deal? No, no, it's never straightforward. Never straightforward. No, it's never straightforward. You're always at the heel of the hunt in the matter. But uh, you, so... think it's, you think it's straightforward, but it isn't. Oh, no, no, no. What I mean is, is what, I, what I'm trying to figure out. Yes. Uh, is it, the, 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 in a way, speaking with you is, is the dream come true. Uh-huh. And uh, it's also this. Thank you very much for saying that. It's a bit of a nightmare. <laughs> I know, Eva. Well, um, I, I, apart from I, anything else, I promise you that when I say Mass this morning, which I shall after this broadcast, I'll give you a first intention in that Mass. There was a time when I would have just laughed at that, but I tremendous respect for, for you, it now. You, you've acquired wisdom. My concern is for my grown married children. Oh, boy. And oh boy. my grandchildren. Um, I, I'm afraid to...
people, people that I become in, attached to or involved with, and that does include my family, yeah. um, bad things happen. And I'm really afraid to be around people. Another, I mean, <laughs> I'm thinking of, of a few deaths in particular and, and, um, I know. I know exactly what you're talking about. I know exactly what you're talking about, and my heart goes out to you. What, really can, does. what can she do, Doctor? She must find uh, a good priest. Uh, doctor, there was, I would like to ask you a question. Sure. One, one other time, uh, I was listening to a talk radio program, and a yes. woman was on who all you had to do was call up and say your name and your age or something, yes, and yes. she would sense these my name and my, my, my age and so yeah. on, and she said, you know, she said, there's a very strong presence of a man who's been with you for about 10 years, and you really need to do something about that. And was it, was it accurate? Uh, I, yeah. It was accurate? Yes, and I, I didn't follow it up. I had, it, it's really taken me close to a year to, mm-hmm. to, to be comfortable with actually saying that. I know, Eva, I would be cherry if I were you of any freelancer in this whole matter. No, I'm it's too, I'm it's too terribly serious. You see, there, there's no doubt about it. A demon can have information about one uh, without any reference to God at all, without any reference to our safety. Uh, they, I've, I've already learned that. Yeah, they can know things. You, you, you need to be under the protection of, of God. Uh, and you need the authority of Christ to get rid of any harassing or obsessing angel in your life because you don't sound as if you're possessed, but you do sound harassed. Yes, sir. And uh, obsessed. Yes, sir. And that's the commonest form of demonic activity today. Now, explain this to me. I, yes. at one time, was even fairly unfriendly about the Catholic Church, but yes. there's been so much movement now that you'd have to decide to... <laughs> There are so many factions. Yes, of which, course. Which, which is good, to my point of view. Yes. You say, give, give myself up to the authority of Christ. Yes. Um, Through an exorcist. That doesn't mean to accept Christ as a savior. It just means to acknowledge the authority that Christ would have in this matter. That's right. Uh, Eva, but I must be frank with you. Once you admit Christ as having authority in this matter, and once you benefit by that authority, you'll find that he lives in your heart. But uh, I think the upshot here is seek the advice of the church of an exorcist. What I'm saying is that I don't, I don't eschew Yeshu. I, I, I just don't want to leave it on that note. I, 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 I am not, I mean, I accept. As much I accept about about Christ the man and, and what a wonderful, I know that, important uh, man he was. Uh, well, yes, you want to put it like that. Um, but well, let's leave it at that, Eva. But uh, I'll be praying for you. That's a promise. All right. Um, uh, doctor, I just got the following, and maybe you can tell me yes. the kind of person that this came from. Dear Art, your present conversation with the priest yes. is not without dangerous complications and consequences. I don't have to tell you just how many minds are listening to you on the radio. Minds, 
that can be in turmoil, minds unknowledgeable of the subject and the danger. I beg you to end this conversation without delay. Uh, this is, this is um, somebody who is afraid of what they're hearing. Yes, I can imagine that it would, to certain minds, represent a danger. But uh, I, it can suggest things to people, and I'm sorry if it does. Uh, there's no suggestiveness in what you're saying or what I'm saying. But the outlining of a reality in our lives, the presence of evil, is surely something that we must admit and acknowledge uh, and not be blind. So I, I, I appreciate their fears, but I think they're ill-founded. Doctor, during the course of an exorcism, mm -hmm. what things or messages do you typically hear from a demon? In that process, in that war, in that confrontation, what do you hear? You hear, if you lay yourself open to it, you hear uh, reproaches about your life, your past life and your present life. It's the same thing to be reproached. You throw it at you like mud. Uh, then you also hear, if you allow it to continue, the exorcist must control everything, uh, you hear a lot about what it could be like if we weren't bothered about details like religion. You hear a lot of deceptive suggestions uh, and of peacefulness and let everybody think and do what they want to do, the message. Then in the extreme cases, you get total blasphemy. They go after you. They try to challenge your faith. Of course. And it's, it's very subtle. And uh, you mustn't be shook by that. You mustn't be shaken by that. Uh, you must be able to deal with it and never answer a question, never take up something shoved at you. Always be in control. Yeah, a priest, give command. a priest is also a man uh, with uh, with faults, with guilt, with sure. um, all sure. the things, perhaps sure. fewer than the rest of us, but things that can be thrown into his face to make him weak. That's right, they can. They can shame him. And they can weaken him. And for that reason, he needs to be virtuous. He needs not to have sin on his soul. He needs to have cleansed his soul in confession. Uh, he needs to be clean. If he's not clean, the demon will know it. Is it possible, as in that movie, The Exorcist, that the yes. demon can move from the possessed to the exorcist? Yes. Yes, 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 yes. yes. That's the danger. You can't, you can't have any truck with this uh, unless you're in control. Do you remember doing exorcisms in which you weakened? Yes, I do. When I was momentarily shaken, yes, by the shocking things said to me about God, about the angels, about heaven, about human beings, about human love above all, and the, 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 the contempt, the contempt and the despisement and the ridicule that human love is accorded by the demon when he really talks is something frightening. It's something frightening. Um, and you realize then that all human love is useless unless it mirrors the love of God. So human love by itself is insufficient. 
it's insufficient. It can be ridiculed and mocked and imitated and uh, reproduced falsely. When it is an echo of divine love, then it's, it's divine. Speaking of false things, Doctor, is it possible uh, or probable that a person taking drugs mm-hmm. is, is more susceptible to the possibility of possession? Yes. Yes. In fact, there's a twist to that I'd like to give to it. You can, through exorcism, be rid of a drug habit. Because many, in many cases, not all, I'm sure, but in many cases, the lapse into a drug habit, the adoption of a drug habit, is the result of uh, satanic influence, demonic activity. What? You, you can get rid of it. What, um, if, if, if you were to give out sort of a general piece of advice to people who are wondering about possession, what signs do you look for? This, if, if in your life there is some imperative coming out of left field, not of your choice, but commanding you, urging you to do something, to yield, to be controlled, and know that that can herald demonic activity. For instance, let me explain something to you. We heard a lot for a long time, we still hear a lot about transcendental meditation, and the essence of it was that you, you made your mind blank. Yes. You know? Yes. And you, 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 you channeled. The difficulty art is this. If you do that, you, you are sitting door. duck. You open, you open the, the door. door and say, come in. And the same thing with the Ouija board. And the same thing with uh, many channeling activities. It is not necessarily the board itself. That's just cardboard. But that's right. when you use it in that manner, you're issuing an invitation. That's right. And you're saying, the door is open. Please come in, whoever you are. You can't do that with impunity. You can't do that with impunity. And many a case we're dealing with today start with a simple thing as the Ouija board used as a plaything. But it got serious. Mm-hmm. Then there are spiritual seances of the same kind, channeling, waiting for the spirits to talk. Oh, they talk. Mm-hmm. Um, doctor, um, we talked about earlier the quickening. You talked about an increase in possession or exorcisms mm-hmm. of 800%, 800%. In what span of time have we seen this increase? Since about 1969 to 1989, in that time. It's a funny thing. A lot of things have happened in that time in the world and in the Church of Rome, my church, about which I've just written that book, Windswept House. Um, and it's all, a lot of it is negative, a lot of negativity. And, uh, and there's been a lot of bloodshed in that time, by the way. And there's been a lot of environmental damage. And um, surely Lucifer, who wants the death of the human race, will use any means, especially radiation, um, to destroy human hopes and human life. Uh, uh, when, when we come back after the bottom of this hour, I would like to ask you whether we are approaching the final days. I want to ask you about the rapture. Okay. 
Back now to Dr. Malachi Martin in Manhattan. Doctor, in your second set of tapes concerning the storm and inside the Vatican, you had pointed out that we are going to be chastised. This is from a gentleman in uh, Beaumont, Texas, You're, uh, that we're going to be chastised. You said it can't be mitigated. There will be catastrophes, calamities, natural disasters, great sections of humanity will be leveled. This is part of the third secret of Fatima uh, in 1917, July 13th. But you implied this would be more in the distant future than in the deserted vineyard. You said very clearly this will occur, you believe, in the next three or four years. Yeah. Um, yes. Yes. The, 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 the time seems to be foreshortened as regards the, what they call the chastisements, these punishments that are going to come upon us. Uh, and they indeed are starting in a remote fashion, but I expect them. I expect them. Uh, one can always be wrong. Um, in spite of my reputation, I'm not a prophet art, but I expect them between now and 2000. But not definitive, not the end of the world, not the coming of Antichrist, not the, the final judgment, not the rapture. A great change. Like a great change, however. A, great, a, a very great change. And... Uh, you know the old song, keep your eyes on the skies. I would keep my eyes on the skies from the beginning of this winter until the end of spring 97. Because uh, depending on what happens at that time, we will more or less have a prognosis for what's going to happen between now and 2000. How many human beings do you think will make it through this change? A good majority of the present human beings that are alive, but in great misery. In a world where perhaps you don't want to live, that sort of thing. That's right. That's right. All right. Uh, a lot there, of misery. There are many, many people who want to speak with you, Doctor. Uh, Wildcard Line, you're on the air with Dr. Martin. Good morning. Where are you, please? Yes, uh, this is uh, a doctor. I'm a former seminarian. I would rather not give my name. That's, that's, quite, all right. Right. that's quite all right. That's quite um, all right. A wonderful program, Art, and uh, Father Malachi, I think one of my spiritual directors was a friend of yours. Oh, uh, namely? Uh, Father Menard. Oh, yes. Ernest J. Menard. Yes, 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 yes. And uh, I was a seminarian at, with the Fremont's Detentions in L.A. for a while. <laughs> but I wanted to talk, first of all, would you tell Art something about three days of darkness when I'm done? Yes, I will, briefly. And um, I wanted to just mention... I wanted to talk about how was the youth minister after getting out of the seminary, and uh, we were asked by the bishop to go to Ogden. And we were told why well, the bishop wanted us to be in Ogden, and we did a uh, retreat for 110 Hispanics, and dozens fell on the ground frothing, and I uh, realized that I was not prepared for that, and so I fasted for about three days while we were doing that retreat, and no ills happened. But later on in, in Oregon, I met somebody who was heavily involved in New Age and Occult. Yeah. And I got an inner word that says, get out of the room fast. And I was trapped um, between, it was a real small room and crowded and couldn't get out without making a scene. So I waited a couple minutes. And that night, I had my first out-of-body experience. I was basically grabbed by a demon. Mm -hmm. And... Um, I've had occasional out-of-body experiences since then, and basically they are stopped by the name of Jesus. 
That's right. The only and means at that stage. Uh, get free of it all as soon as possible. Yeah, those people who are involved in out-of-body experiences Dangerous. Doctor, thank you uh, for the call. Very dangerous. Very dangerous. Very dangerous. Any, any truck with that and you're into what they call, you're onto the middle plateau. And that's a very dangerous situation. Doctor, three days of darkness? Yes, there's there's no doubt about it. There's going to be there are going to be three days when there's a great darkness uh, over our earth and during which it will be dangerous to be abroad, to be outside your home. And uh, even in your home it may be dangerous. Three days without sun? Three days without the lateral light we're used to art, yes. Without that. Um, but it's like everything else, when it takes place, they will endeavor to give it an, astronomical, an, astrolog an astronomical and a geophysical explanation. You know, so much of what you're saying this morning, my audience knows, you might not, because you're in Manhattan, where I presume that you've not been able to hear me. Yes, I, I've heard everything you said tonight. Well, tonight, yes. But, uh, Doctor, in just the past week, I, I, I don't know why. I asked the audience, yeah. if one day you arose and the sun did not come up, uh -huh. what would you conclude? Uh-huh. Uh, I just asked them that general question. and uh, What was the answer? Uh, the answer was uh, many answers were flippant, yeah. but many answers were they would conclude that the end has begun or that a change is uh, definitely upon us. Uh-huh. It was just it, it's eerie to me that I even asked yeah. that question. I know. I know. <laughs> All right. I know. East of the Rockies, you're on the air with Dr. Malachi Martin. Where are you calling from, please? Uh, from Fort Myers, Florida. How are you doing, doctor? How are you doing there? What's on your mind? Okay. It's something that's been worrying me, how a lot of leaders, uh, religious leaders like the Pope and Mother Teresa and even, you know, political like yeah. Fort Yeltsin is, you know, very ill. Yeah. And I was wondering, is that like a big sign that it's coming now or soon? Yes, it is. That the, 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 these main leaders or apostles or, or uh, leaders in the world are ailing. It means, for me, it's an indication of the end, the, uh, the end of an era, the beginning of a new era. Well, he's right about that. Mother Teresa, of course, is ailing uh, the Pope. Yeah, the Pope is ailing very much, very much. In fact, within 12 months, we may have a new Pope, for all we know. Um, and Boris Yeltsin is ailing, but he's not the only one. There's, uh, there's something happening. And, you know, in human history, if you look at it really cohesively, you'll find that no era ends with a plonk like that, and the next one starts. They always dovetail. And our past era is now dovetailing with a new era which is a bit frightening, quite frankly. Many things are beginning to happen. Volcanoes erupting, uh, the ozone thinning. That's right. Uh, animals beginning to mutate. It seems That's like right. all of this is increasing in, uh, uh, in its occurrence. Uh, That's increasing right. It is. Rapidly. It is. And, you know, Jesus said about his own generation, he said, this generation, he said, can tell me in the evening what tomorrow is going to be like. It reads the signs of the weather but it cannot read the signs of the times. And uh, we are like that. We don't read the signs of the times very well. All right. Uh, west of the Rockies, you're on the air with Dr. Malachi Martin. Hi. 
Hi, thank you for having me on your show, Art. Yes, sir. Where are you? I am uh, in the Bay Area, All right. California. Uh -huh. Yes, sir. I have two questions for, uh, is it Father Martin? Yes. Um, I am, uh, Art, I'm an attorney, and yes. I've also been a Christian for oh, right around 17 years. Yes. I've been studying demonology almost as long. Oh. Yes. And I have two questions for uh, the Father uh, yes. and a couple comments, if I could. Go. Yes. First is, what is the, well, let me preface this and say you have mentioned a couple of times that it's uh, when you do exorcisms, there's a conflict of the wills and driving the, uh, the spirit out. Primarily the wills. Yes. So what is the basis of your authority to cast out a demon? Christ. Okay, yeah, you've been a little bit weak in referencing that, and I would go beyond. No, no I didn't mean to be weak at all. Blood did, of Jesus. I, I didn't mean to be weak at all. It's Jesus Christ. <laughs> okay, that, that's, that's good. The second question is, um, I am uh, denominationally speaking more of the Protestant tradition, and yes. I would ask you, uh, can a non-Catholic, uh, without the Pope's authorization, do exorcism? I've never come across one yet. Okay. But they, it may be, but I've never come across it yet. They, they come to us, even though they remain Protestants, they remain Methodists, Lutherans, and Mormons, and whatever, or Jews, or Muslims, or Buddhists, but they come to us for exorcism. Okay. Um, well, I'd like to proffer that you're speaking to somebody who's done a number of exorcisms. Just mm -hmm, good. Through my life, I'm not a Catholic, and I don't have the Pope's authorization, but uh, if it's have okay, I'd quote two scriptures, Art, for you, the benefit of your audience to support that. Have they succeeded? Is that okay if I do that, Art? The question was, have they succeeded? Oh, yes. Yes, I uh, ministered to a young lady uh, last June. She had multiple nightmares every night. I mean, not just bad dreams, real nightmares. And uh -huh. uh, we went through about... No, two to three weeks of deliverance sessions and drove out 20-some demons, many of them manifesting and speaking and this telling is. us where they're from. And doctor, doctor, is there a danger to what he is doing? Uh, listen, in my book there is, but if he's protected, he's protected. Uh, and you may have some protection, sir, of which I do not know. It must ultimately come from Christ Jesus in my book. That's what I affirm. Uh, but if you have that protection... Fine and dandy. Uh, <laughs> God bless you. I'll pray for you. Thank you, I Father. I hope you go right ahead. You sound because like you, you, you can't. Deal you work. can't expel these demons except in His name. That's that's affirming to hear you say that. Uh, I, I would like to just read two scriptures, Art. That are uh, one of them is my, one of my favorite verses in this area. Another one that just. I would prefer you don't do that. Okay. Uh, I, I thank you for the call, sir. Uh, but it is possible, then, Doctor, that somebody, uh, a layperson. Um, could successfully uh, do an exorcism? That's right. He must, therefore, have been granted the authority of Christ Jesus. He must have been. And that's not impossible. It's not necessarily absolutely metaphysically necessary to come through a church man, through an ecclesiastic. Uh, normally, in my life, it always has. But if somebody else can do it uh, directly with a gift from uh, the Lord, more power to him. Doctor, there was a recent movie. Uh, I don't know if you're a moviegoer. It was called, um, I think in its final version, Prophecy. Its working title uh, during production was God's Army. Uh -huh. uh, it was with Christopher Walken. Are you aware at all of that movie? I, I know. I heard about, read about it. I didn't see it. I don't go to movies very much. It uh, basically imagined a second 
great war between uh, heaven and hell. Ah. Um, is such a thing possible, some second great war between heaven and hell? Or yes. is it simply uh, yes? Yes, there is going to be one final clash. One final clash. And we're on our way to it, but we're not there yet. How we're on our way to it. How close to it do you think we are? Uh, of course, Art, you and I know, as sensible men, it's very hazardous to, to, to guess at timings. Yes. So the one thing that's difficult are dates and times and hours and places. But, but, given what is happening to the nations, given the existence now of the new world order as a fact of life, and not a, a theory, and not a plan for the future. And given the uh, the rising uh, sea of very disturbing things happening, men and women, uh, negative things, we are approaching a point when something has to give. And it would seem to be on a global level, and would seem to finally involve spirit morals, ethics, finally the final battle. So what time? Well, I think that we're going to enter in these remaining years of this century, we're entering a period of uh, severe chastisement, severe hardships throughout the, the cosmos, throughout our earth. And I think that into the new century, the, the, the 21st century, we're heading for a lot of confrontations, and ending up in a short time with that final battle. Doctor, with changes, earth changes, with things that will occur, it seems so unfair because when these changes begin, mm -hmm. clearly those in third world nations, underdeveloped nations, mm -hmm. will suffer and die at a disproportionate uh, uh, rate. I do not know that, Art, for sure. I think that where things will be really bad will be in our overcrowded western cities, uh, our big cities, say Mexico City with 30 million, yes. or Atlanta, or Los Angeles, or New York, or Chicago, the big urban settlements. Uh, I think there's where the real suffering will take place. Now, I think that the people living in Patagonia, the people living in Tasmania, the natives as we call them, we're natives too, but we always refer to the others as the natives, you know, yes, yes. <laughs> with our post-colonial mind, we still say that, Art, you know, the, 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 and I remember always making the, the, my British friends uncomfortable by referring to them as native British, but there was no thing as a native British, you know. only the natives were only in Africa, but the British at that time anyway, but the, 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 the the suffering may be more intense in what we call civilization. Maybe much more intense because we are more dependent. I mean, Art, look, think what would happen to New York if the water supply is cut off and the electricity yes. and the gas. Oh, yes. Oh, that's, that's obvious. Very clear. Um, what has been your toughest, your hardest exorcism uh, as you look back? It was in the Bronx, New York. In 1983, and was a young priest. A young priest? Yeah. Who was possessed? 
and it was long drawn out. It was bloody and disgusting and took a heavy toll on everybody involved. Can you tell us the manner of the possession? How would a priest be possessed? Was he himself doing an exorcism? No, 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 no. He yielded piece by piece by piece oh. uh, because it's never sudden. It's never sudden. It's just a little bit here and a little bit there. And he yielded to temptation. It wasn't sexual temptation either. It was pride and arrogance. And um, then this mystery of choice comes in, the, the selectivity. As I say, as I said before earlier in the, in the broadcast, Art, there's no profile. We try to create a profile. There's none. Some of them who, some men who are very naughty are not possessed. Some men who are, are possessed are not very naughty in their lives. They're not crooks. Um, they're not evil in that sense, but they are possessed. So, but why he yielded, God only knows it's free will, of course. But it was a very distressing thing and involved a lot of people, involved his whole family, involved his whole parish, involved the local bishop, uh, and it was very distressing. And he, he, he uh, emerged from it, but he succumbed after a short time. He, he died. He died. He was, he was, he was cured. He was, he was saved. But he died. And he came out of it utterly white. Uh, and he was a young man with a big shock of red hair. And a young man, he was a young priest. But the rot had started very early on in his family. And he had never told anybody anything about it. And uh, it was the most distressing thing I've been through. Uh, it really was the most distressing one. How did you come out of it? Uh, I came out of it with a little bit of me dead, <laughs> quite frankly. <laughs> something I can't get back until eternity when God rewards me, I hope. But something in me died. It takes a little piece of, of your, uh, of what, uh, Doctor, your faith of... No, it takes a little bit of... You know, you know, Art, look, we're both adults. You know what vitality is? Yes. And what, you know, verve and, as the French call it, sans d'attaque. Yes. The power of cackling something. Of course. When that's diminished and diminished and diminished, then... That's why I speak about little bits of you departing, uh, little bits of you die. It's a sacrifice you make. You, you can give, as we, uh, the analogy I use was children to whom you give love. You can't get it back. Of your life essence or energy. Yeah, yeah, you, 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 can't, you can't give it to somebody else. <laughs> you know, you give something which is of, of your very soul. And we willingly do it as parents or as parish priests or as counselors. But uh, I know sufficient uh, sufficient number of psychiatrists and psychologists, and I know they, they expend themselves for the sake of their patients. And they can't get back what they give. They get money, sure, yes, but that's no substitute at all. So then when it happens to a priest or somebody of great faith or a service to God, it is, it is harder, it is it deeper. Is. It's it is. And, uh, you know, that's if you, if you were to get close to the present pope, that's what strikes you about him at certain moments. It's a complete draining of his spirit. I, I remember I had to convey a message to him once. He came home from a 10-day... ...hold to these others again that I can't hold any faith at all. What can I do? Go to the local priest and bishop and get an exorcist. 
exorcist. Kevin Edmund. How hard are they to find today? Not so difficult. In certain places they don't exist, but in other places they do. And the first place to go to is the diocesan chancery or the local parish priest. All right, good advice. Mr. Bell, this is Catherine from the Gulf Coast area of Texas. Would you please ask Father Martin this question? Father John O'Connor, not Cardinal John O'Connor, yes. said because the energy loss from a true exorcist is so great that a Catholic exorcist lives only about 15 years after he is deeply involved in this. He further says the hatred from the demon is so horrendous that it literally drains him. Yes? Yes. But there are exceptions to the 15-year rule. You must be one of them. Yes, I am. How do you feel? Uh, why, why do you feel that you have been so blessed? I, 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 don't, I don't know, Art. I just don't know. I take it as it comes. I didn't expect to live this long. I really didn't. Surprised, huh? <laughs> Surprised is right. If you had <laughs> told me that one day would be 76, I would have horse laughed. Horse laughed. Yeah. Um, I would like to ask you about something we've dealt with on this program several times. Uh, I know your background is in uh, archaeology. That's right. Uh, so, therefore, uh, there have been many who have speculated and talked and thought about the pyramids, the Sphinx yeah. uh, at Giza in Egypt. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there is some uh, work going on that may result in the opening of some secret passages below the Sphinx. Yes, I've read about this. Uh, I'm not all cool on with it. I don't know how far they've got. Uh, I don't know really what's, what's being done, but I know there's something being done of that nature. Would you be surprised uh, if there is something very ancient found there? No, 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 no. You see, the, the soil of Egypt and of Palestine in general preserves things because it's dry. And uh, I'm convinced that one of these days we're going to find the most extraordinary things, like, for instance, a copy of the Bible coming from pre-exilic times, that is, before the Babylonian captivity. That's about 580 B.C., which would be tremendous to find. And, and if, we, if we did, what would you imagine might be within, that would, would, would um, uh, uh, cast doubt on much of what we believe? It wouldn't. It would confirm. It would confirm. It would confirm, because I'm certain that we have a proper tradition, but it would be lovely to have a manuscript from that time from the time of Isaiah. Uh, do you believe that the, the Ark of the Covenant will be found? Personally, I do, but I have, no, I have no objective scientific grounds for saying so. I think it will be found. Well, as you know, this new tunnel, uh, archaeological tunnel, yes, that has just yes. been reopened again. Yes, caused all the trouble. Yes, many believe that the Ark of the Covenant is close. It, it may well, art it may well be. As I say, I have a feeling that we will find the Ark of the Covenant, that God will allow us to find it. But I, I, have no, I have no archaeological reason for saying that. All right, one more, and then we'll go back to the phones. Joseph in Seattle wants to know, do you have any comment about the numerous sightings and encounters of and with what are being called extraterrestrial beings and their relationship, if any, with demons, angels, and the quickening process? The only comment I would make is that some, some of the so-called or so-defined sightings of uh, extraterrestrials sounds like demonic activity, but I have never examined the thing 
closely and scientifically and professionally, so I don't know. But some of it sounds very like demonic activity and nothing to do with extraterrestrial beings, if such things exist. Do you rule out the possibility of extraterrestrial no, beings? No, I do not. We just don't know. Would the I, existence of them in any way shake your faith? No, it would not. Not the slightest way. It would expand um, my consciousness. For instance, when Columbus discovered America, in that sense discovered America, it was a mind-opener for the Europeans. It certainly was. It was a mind-opener. I mean, it, 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 it revolutionized the whole of Europe and the whole of the world. And they found it impossible to believe it at the beginning because they believed there were two-headed men and giants and misshapen creatures outside Europe. They didn't know anything better. Then they suddenly found out that there were generations of people living outside of Europe that had lived and died for hundreds and hundreds of years. So revolutionists, and they didn't lose their faith. They, they are, on, on the contrary, they expanded it. I have an inkling, I don't know, but from the data so far assembled, I have a, I have a feeling that there's no, there are no terrestrial there's no extraterrestrial life within our galaxy. Well, that may well be. I think it's outside our galaxy. That may well be. But that's only my own assessment. Yes, I'm, sir. Not, I'm not an astronomer. First time caller line, you're on the air with uh, Dr. Malachi Martin. Hi. Hello, uh, Dr. Martin. Yes. It's, uh, about five years ago, I had a, uh, in a weak moment, yes. I had a suicide attempt. Yes. Uh, it seemed like there were forces in the house that uh -huh. saved me. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh -huh. um, Where are you, sir? I'm in uh, Vancouver. Vancouver, Canada. Canada. Okay. All right. Yes. Okay. Now, about six months before that, we were doing a bunch of, uh, not Ouija, but the same sort of thing. In yes. The house. Yes. And it seemed as though there were forces. Yes. And it seemed as though I was saved, but I've had nothing but bad luck since this time. Can you tell me? Uh... Well, if you have dabbled in the Ouija board seriously, and if you have dabbled in any, it's occult, there's no doubt about that. You're dealing with occult forces, then you may have some attachments to you that you don't like, spiritual attachments in your spirit, and you want to get rid of them. Yes. And you want to get a good priest who can uh, get rid of them for you. It's very hard to get rid of them yourself, uh, but a good priest can do that. I am not a, I'm not a Catholic or... It doesn't, that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter? It doesn't matter. You're a human being. All right. you, were, you were redeemed by Christ, whether you like it or not, hmm. whether you believe it or not. Um, so, seek proper help. Uh, That's right. Doctor, the nature of suicide, yes. uh, what happens to a soul that commits suicide? Well, you know, it's called Satan's eighth sacrament, suicide. Uh, there are seven satanic sacraments. Apparently, but the, the so suicide is the is the, uh, the eighth one. The what happens is briefly this: that uh, by my own hand, I cut myself off 
last of life and of death. And by doing that, I violate a fundamental commandment of his, which is do not kill yourself. It's a fundamental law in our, my nature. Um, and I thereby enter the gray area where I can never see the light again. I can never be with God. I can never have happiness. Uh, and I suffer the torment of being separated from the one thing that would have made me happy, would have made me beatify me forever. God and his beauty and his truth and his heaven. What about, what about those people that suffer physical maladies that are terminal and horrible and simply... I know. I know. simply want out. And I, I, I've thought about this and talked about it on the radio as a talk goes over many years. And my position was always sort of, whose life is it anyway? I'll be in control of my own life. Nobody yeah. will tell me what to do. My wife told me, doctor, yeah. don't do it. Even if you're suffering, you are meant to go through this. And if you don't go through it, something terrible is going to happen. So, and, yeah. and, and those words have rung in my ears uh, for years. I, I know, and I, they, they ring in my ears, not that you've said them, and I won't forget them. They've been said to me on other occasions by other people for other reasons, for the same reasons. The, it, I don't know, I really don't know, Art, in the whole of human history that I have read and talked about and inquired into, I don't know of any explanation justifying human suffering except the sufferings of uh, Jesus Christ on his cross. If I can identify with his sufferings, uh, in spite of my cancer, in spite of my arthritis, in spite of my AIDS, if I have these things, um, if I can identify with his sufferings, I can merit, I yes. can merit a greater place in heaven. I can merit a greater closeness to God. And I know in my soul what I want is God's beauty and truth. So then to uh, avoid it by taking your own life is to exclude yourself from his company. That's right. Uh -huh. That's right. Now, I do not exclude at all, Art. I must tell you this much. I do not exclude that, for instance, if I proceed to take cyanide or something, you know, some, uh, some suicidal act, I do not exclude that before I die, God can touch my heart and make me repent of it, even though I can't, uh, I can't undo what I've done. In other words, uh, redemption always possible, even in the last second. But yes, I, I don't exclude God's mercy, but you're running a terrible risk. <laughs> you know? The, the numbers might not be with you. That's right. All right. Wild Card Line, you're on the air with Dr. Malachi Martin. Good uh, morning. Yes, thank you. Um, Where are you, sir? I'm calling from California. All right. Yeah. exorcism, um, your spirit is drained or a piece of you is lost forever. Is that about right? That's about it. You give out something, you can't get back. Otherwise, you do, you're no good. You're not effective. It's like it's the love you give your child or your wife or your husband or your country or a cause. If you really give love, you don't get it back. 
Does that help you, caller? Well, I, I, I just, you know, want to humbly say that, that there is that one infinite spirit of love that is inexhaustible. That's right. That's I, right. My, uh, uh, but, but the question that I had, um, um, uh, you know, and my uh, studying of metaphysics, um, and I try to, I, I do uh, stay within, you know, the, the matrix of, of, of Christian principles. Yes, yes. I, you know, but uh, I come to realize that throughout Christendom that there is much phenomena to be studied, you know, um, from the Appalachian people who handle serpents and drink poison in the name of sure. Christ, and glossolalia in the church, sure. the fathers, and, and, and these exorcisms and apparitions. And, uh, so your question is? Well, I just wanted him to comment on that. And another question that I had was um, that... Um, uh, yes? Is, is not the revelation in your thinking a prophecy of mass exorcism? Mass exorcism, I never heard of that. I don't think it's possible. Uh, Too bad. It's just not possible. Too bad. Because we could use one. Well, <laughs> we could, Art. We could, but it, this is one-on-one. One-on-one. It's always one-on-one, isn't it? It is finally one-on-one. There is such a thing as uh, a demon sharing several people. And you can get rid of that demon and exclude that. And, but it's not a mass exorcism. You're still concentrating on one damn spirit. East of the Rockies, you're on the air with Dr. Malachi Martin. Hello. Uh, yes, this is Thomas in Madison, Wisconsin. Yes, sir. This is Thomas. Um, it's an honor to speak to you, uh, Father Martin. Thank you very much um, for being there. Yes, I just finished reading. I just finished reading your book, Hostage to the Devil. Oh. And I thought it was one of the best books I've ever read. It was fascinating. Mm. And in one of the chapters, you spoke about a professor who was one of the leaders in parapsychic development. That's right. And actual travel. That's right. And I was wondering if that has any connection with what is widely known now as remote viewing. Yes, it has. And if uh, there's any demonic possession related to remote viewing. Yes, there is. There is a demonic position related to it. In, in the process of doing what these remote viewers do, do and it, it, it is very interesting, Doctor, because there was a Nightline program, yes. um, and it turns out our own government for 20 years has been involved in remote viewing. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, what is a person doing? When, when they remote view, it's, it, it's not exactly an out-of-body, or is it out-of-body, and they are subject then to all kinds of things as you are when you open do other doors with Ouija boards or whatever. I'll tell you what it is, Art, really, what is at stake, and it's a very volatile. It's like nitroglycerin for the soul. It's this. There are latent powers in us all. Yes. I believe that. The Nazis, the Nazis, in the death camps, seeking to develop the perfect mind control, developed means, uh, or, or uh, yeah, they found means of developing these latent powers. When we conquered Germany, we imported not merely physical scientists, rocket scientists like von Braun and the others. Right. We also imported the doctors who had gone in for mind control. 
and that some of those mind control methods were used in the special forces of the USA. And they have found that in certain cases, they produce the very trait that you find in possessed people. But it does give remote viewing, makes it a reality, mm -hmm. and remote action a reality. And the, the Soviets in their day and the Nazis went much further than we ever went. We learned from them. But it's highly dangerous because uh, you probably heard me say, and it went by your ear, Art, and I didn't emphasize that I spoke about the middle plateau. The middle plateau. I mentioned that once. That middle plateau is the plateau on which evil spirits work. And they use every paranormal uh, a paranormal power that they can, that's latent in human beings and can be evinced, can be used. And it's very dangerous and volatile. It's the natural glycerin of the soul. It can blow it up. And it's a very dangerous thing because you let loose, you let loose something amongst human beings as a group that's, that's destructive in, in the extreme and completely immoral. There's no ethic, there's no moral, there's no rule at all. No, I believe dangerous. that as well. Uh, I believe that as well, dangerous. but it is real, isn't it? Oh, gee whiz, it's real. That's the difficulty about it, it is real. And uh, I, I know people who teach it. So do I. Yeah. But uh, uh, not for me, thank you very much. I, I'm a coward, I run. <laughs> <laughs> I really do, Art. I have nothing to do with it. And I want to stay with the devils or with the angels. You know, cir circling back, you again, I, I can't get it out of my mind. There are these people who have comfortably made a deal and are living with this deal. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And they, they expect to go home to Satan. Oh, yes. Are there more and more of these people? You see them. You know well, them. more and more. There are more and more appearing to be there. Anyway. And it's very hard to get away from the impression that there are more disciples than there ever were before of Lucifer. Lucifer in particular, not much Lucifer. Um, listen, um, yes. Doctor, we are at the end of another hour. Okay. Um, are you are you willing to stay for the final? All right, back now to Dr. Malachi Martin, who is my guest. Uh, doctor, a couple quick questions before we yes. go back to the phones. Yes. Um, doctor, was that movie, The Exorcist, based on a real case? I meant to ask you that. Yes, it was. It was. It was based on a real case, but... Uh, it, it was it was highly Hollywoodized. Do you understand me? Yes. Because the reality was very different. Uh, it was a landmark case, actually, way back in the 1950s, and um, it was a genuine possession case of a young boy. Uh, they made it into a girl. The the, the Exorcist movie and stuff. Yes. Uh, but it was a landmark case and was written up only two years ago with the, with the actual theme, the actual history itself published by Thomas Allen. And he just simply wrote it up as a reporter. It's, it's fascinating stuff. I, I believe it was in the St. Louis area, wasn't it? That's right, it was. It was. And it, uh, it, the actual telling of this thing, the real, the, the history of it, is much more fascinating than the book. It's much more fascinating. It's an amazing thing. But it's a, it's a, it was a landmark case. Was there a loose uh, connection to the real case? Yes, there was. There was a loose connection, but it's very loose altogether. 
Uh, nevertheless, I, I, and I shall never forget the end of that movie. You mentioned there was a case of somebody going out a window. That's right. There was. Where was that? That was in Washington, D.C. That resulted in a death? Yep. It is equivalent to defenestration. Uh, doctor, there was, uh, there was another movie that I saw once uh, called The Seventh Sign. I never saw that one. No, uh, it, it doesn't matter. It talked in the movie mm -hmm. about the guff, uh, the place from which souls come, new souls imparted to new human beings mm -hmm. born. And uh, it theorized that uh, one day that guff became empty and there were no more souls, and it began the end of all. Uh, uh -huh. Is there an endless supply of souls? Well, put it like this, God can go on creating souls as much as he likes. In that sense, there's an endless supply, but they're not just hanging around someplace, like in cold storage, waiting <laughs> for bodies. <laughs> you know, that's a bit of fancy. Yes, no doubt. It's a bit of fancy. All right, well, this following is not fancy. It's awfully serious. Yes. We're drawing a lot of serious comments, and I'm going to sure. read this to you and get your reaction. Sure. Dr. Martin, I've recently been fighting suicide. Yes. I was at a point where I gave up on life because of my sexuality. Yes. I'm gay. I've known that for a long time and have never wanted to be that way. Yes. I once gave up and came close to suicide and tried to invite forces toward me that would help me attain the goal. Yes. Now, however, I don't want to die. But I find myself being compelled to this route very often. I feel something is pulling me to kill myself. How do I deal with it? I know the Catholic Church condemns homosexuality. But am I really as evil as these forces that are driving me to kill myself? How do I overcome it? The answer is that he, he, you are not as evil as these forces would have you believe. Uh, and the persuasion that you are evil is merely a means of getting you to despair and say, what's the point? Let me kill myself. Uh, you need a good confessor. You need a good advisor, as well as uh, perhaps some therapy. But therapy won't cure this. It's a question of uh, asking God's mercy and getting it, and getting absolution for sins, and starting the long process of cultivating friendship with God. It can be done. And a good priest will help you. And there are good priests. All right. Um, on behalf of a lot of people out there, I'm going to ask this. If, yeah. uh, if someone wanted to try to ask you, Father, a personal question, is there a way to do it uh, by writing to you? Or yes, there is. is there a, yes. I know you have a web page. I have a web page, but perhaps they, don't, they want to make it more private than that. In that case, they can address a letter to me at the following address. 217 East 66th Street, New York, New York, 10021. That will be confidential. I may never answer, but I usually answer all my letters. And well, that's going to be a chore. That's going to be some chore. That'll keep you busy. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, 217, uh, 217 East 66th Street, New York, New York, 10021. That's right. All right, in addition, you do have a web page, and I, I, I presume somebody could send you email? Yes, they can. All right, that web page is linked on mine, so a lot of my audience will know my web page. You can right. go there and, and link immediately to uh, 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 Dr. Martin's. On the first-time caller line, you're on the air. Hi. Hi, Dr. Martin. 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 Hi
Yes, I'm calling from Honolulu, uh, Hawaii. Yes, sir. Uh, my, my name is Father Seraphim. I'm a member of the uh, Russian Orthodox Church. And, yes, sir. Uh, I, uh, hello, Father uh, Malachi. Hello, Father. How are you? Very good. I, um, uh, we've been hearing an awful lot. Uh, I'm a member of the uh, Russian Church Abroad, which is Old Calendar, and uh, very opposed to the ecumenical movement. Gotcha. And, uh, with Thanks, the Balamon uh, document, uh, accepting uh, basically was against the uh, unionism, but uh, yes. a mutual acceptance of, uh, of uh, both the Roman Church and, uh, and the Eastern Church's sacraments uh, uh, yeah. both ways. And our, the Patriarch of Constantinople, as you well know, is, is uh, trained uh, at the Oriental Institute uh, by the Jesuits in Rome. That's right. I was wondering if you have any insight. Uh, both he and uh, Pope John Paul have both uh, expressed that uh, their desire is for the Church to unite uh, the two, the two, as they say, called the two lungs of uh, the body of Christ That's to right. unite That's by the right. year uh, 2000. What insight do you have in this? Uh, well, I'll tell you, Father. I didn't get your name. Father what? Father Seraphim. Father Seraphim. Father Seraphim, I wish I had better news for you in this matter. I can tell you exactly where we stand in the matter. Uh-huh. Bartholomew, both Bartholomew and Alexei of Moscow, but talking about Bartholomew as the head of the uh, of Constantinople uh, yeah. Church, um, I have both stressed that at the present moment there is no, in, there's nothing in sight, there's no union in sight for the simple reason that basic questions are so outstanding that unless there was a miracle overnight, we have no solution to the problem of jurisdiction. There's great goodwill, there's no doubt about that, and I expect, Father Seraphim, that within a few years we will have general permission to communicate each other. Uh-huh. I think we will have, de facto at the present moment, uh, there are Greek Orthodox that share Catholic communion and uh, Catholics that share Greek Orthodox communion. Correct. With the, the, with the connivance and the agreement of local priests and local bishops too. Right. That, that should be done though officially by the heads of Orthodoxy and the head of the Roman Catholic Church. We are pretty far from that. I think between you and me, Father Seraphim, I'd rather be realistic about it. How, how does the uh, how does the Pope see the uh, the Balaman document, uh, which which uh, well, effectively was against Unionism, but but did uh, did accept um, on on a unilateral unilateral basis, it did it accept did. the validity of both churches and their sacraments. Oh, it did. And by the way, we didn't even need that document because we have always accepted the validity of Orthodox sacraments. My God. Um, for instance, I, when Greek Orthodox are dying and they have a Catholic spouse or a Catholic, I absolve them with the Greek priest. We both work together. Um, Doctor, uh, yes. I'm, I'm a layman's question for sure. me, uh, and we deal with this all the time on the air. Sure. Uh, over all of human history, so many men have killed so many men in the name of their creator. That's right, they have. We know that. We know that. We're just coming to this realization, but we still do it, <laughs> you know, to a large degree. Yes, we do. Uh, we still do it, and it is uh, an aberration. Uh, I mean, you had, for instance, in the First World War and the Second World War, you had this, the example of French chaplains, chaplains to the French armed forces, uh, invoking God's grace for victory over the Germans. And you had on the German side, German chaplains invoking God's help for Germans over, to have a victory over the French. You know? Uh, I mean... Exactly. I mean, you know, it's, it becomes at a certain stage uh, ridiculous. 
and it, it's counterproductive. Uh, so it, it, this is a stage through which religions have gone, and I think they're now getting to the stage of saying it's all foolishness. There's no such thing as, as uh, God-sanctifying killing well, or that's industrial a, slaughter. That's what, I, that's what I always thought, and I think that has moved many away from faith. It sure has, and it has disaffected many Catholics and many, many believers, both Jewish and Muslim and Christian and Catholic. All right. It disaffected them, and uh, it's our own fault. It's um, our own fault. It's not God's fault. It's I suspect fault. much. Yes, indeed. I suspect much of what occurs on Earth is uh, free will and all that. Sure. West of the Rockies, you're on the air with Dr. Malachi Martin. Hi. Uh, yeah, good evening, Art. Good, good evening. morning, I guess. Good morning, uh, everybody. Uh, Bob from Pocatello. Uh, Bob? Uh, uh, thank you. Yes, sir. Uh, good morning, Father. Uh, Art, we thank you for getting some balance uh, in your show. and. Uh, uh, Glad it pleases you. What is your question? <laughs> well, uh, yes, Father Malachi, uh, thank you very much. I, I, uh, I'm not of your faith, but... Uh, That's all right. You believe in well, God. Un understood. And uh, we, uh, we, according to Scripture, give thanks for the, for the good works of, of all men. And, uh, sure. Agreed. Uh, do you feel that... Uh, uh, essentially, that uh, people, uh, I, I know, I, I got a book uh, written by a man named Courtney Brown, which uh, okay. uh, who was a guest uh, on our show, and, and read it, and in that book, I, uh, the question is this, and let me throw the question out before I give yeah. the background. Are people sometimes deceived in, uh, in believing uh, uh, they are following uh, truth and light when, it, when they might not be, and let me give you, the, for instance, in that book, uh, he said that the good spirit that he th that he thought was Christ was a translucent being, but at the same time, uh, he said the purpose of his visitation to this man was to write the book, and at the same time, he renounced the time of Christ in there, the time of or the name of Jesus. And I wonder if uh, if you could expand on that as to as to why the name of Jesus. If there's no other name under heaven where wherein man mankind might be. Uh, might be glorified, yeah. Well, I'll tell you, the, the only thing is that uh, Christianity holds there was one Savior. Uh, his name was Jesus. He was born in Nazareth. He died in Calvary. And uh, he was the Son of God. And that in his name, uh, all men can be saved. All men and women can be saved to, to, to be expensive, as we in modern are now, although all men. But the point is this, that that's the essence of Christianity, uh, and there's no other name in there's no other name given to us as the as that of a savior, the universal savior who is God and man. But uh, as much light as I can shed on it. Uh, a question that has always bothered me, and yes. maybe you can answer it. Um, if I understand uh, correctly, yes. a child that is not a Christian. Yeah. Uh, who becomes an adult and dies uh, yeah. without Christianity yeah. uh, may not go to heaven, may not... Uh, may well go to heaven, too. It all depends. On? It all depends on the child's will, what he, what he or she does with her will. Uh, put it like this, uh, not crudely, but put it as bluntly as possible. But if a good Muslim or a good Jew or a good Mormon, or a good Buddhist, lives their life according to their lights, 
as best they can. If they really avoid sin. And they can get the grace of going to heaven. But that grace comes to them through Jesus, even though they don't know him. So no, they're, so they're it, not excluded from heaven. It may be that answers a question I've long had. Um, I always uh, was uh, under the impression that with one is not baptized, uh, I can't go to heaven. No, that's not so. It's not so. That's not so. The equivalent of baptism, the cleansing of sin, and therefore the being pleasing to God, can take place through the grace of Christ. There are many paths. There are many paths. The only thing is that it's difficult to avoid sin. It's difficult to be a good man, a good woman. It's difficult. The grace of God is necessary. And how many men and women achieve that? God only knows. But they're not excluded from heaven just by not being Christians. They can get the grace of Christ by living their lives as they should. All right. Um, that's a good answer. Uh, east of the Rockies, you're on the air with Dr. Malachi Martin. Hello. Uh, good morning, Art and uh, Father Martin. Good morning, sir. Uh, uh, first of all, I'd like to say uh, uh, what what uh, uh, that a man like you th uh, that oh I'm sorry I, I was just trying to be complimentary where are you sir I am calling from Valparaiso Indiana alright oh, yeah. you have a question uh, yes uh, I've had a problem since I was a child and uh, it has to do with uh, what I consider in the harassment category yes uh, they seem to be uh, wolf spirits and Yes. And I'm wondering if you have any type of familiarity with these type of uh, things. I've had a, a recent experience, but I can spare you that if you don't have a lot of time. Well, that depends on art, really. He's the <laughs> boss of the time here. The, but I'll tell you something. This is not an unknown thing. It's, you're not telling me anything new. Okay. And it can be dealt with. A wolf spirit. What does that mean, Doctor? Well, it means that some demon is taking the form of a wolf. That's all it means. Is that, is that all that it means? Oh, yes. That, they, they take the form of wolves or of dogs or uh, snakes. When I was a child, I used to watch the Late Late Show, and I was very frightened by, uh, like, Wolfman movies and things like that. Do they take advantage of fears? Of, of course like, they do. Those? Of course they do. But there must have been some... I don't know your history, so we haven't the time. <laughs> but I, there must be something in your background, either generational, or your parents, or yourself. I am half French. Ah, uh -huh, but uh, uh, le, uh, that's still Les Francis, or aussi, bien, tu sais. One quick thing, uh, uh, a person that claimed to be a seer had, had said that there was a person that was with me, and, I, and when I was at the place that she had said that, there was nobody with me, and they said she said that this was a large person. Could that have been a guardian angel? And that's the only it, other question that it, I have. It could have been a guardian angel, but by this time the guardian angel should have announced himself. Is is fear an open door? Is what? Is fear? Yes, it is. An open door. It is an open door. Surely you cannot go into a room to perform an exorcism with fear that overcomes your ability to deal with no. the fight ahead. Now to my guest, Dr. Malachi Martin, in Manhattan, where I suspect the sun is probably beginning to come up. Well, it's not quite up yet. <laughs> There's a little bit of rain and rain clouds here. I see. But it's still it's a good morning, though. It's, it's a 
not not one of the three not, not one of the three days of darkness somewhere. No, 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 no. It's just the good old American rain. <laughs> you know, and it's, it's probably the tail end of some of some hurricane or something out of the Atlantic. All but right. It's still life is good. Life is good. Life is great. Doctor, a couple of facts questions. Do do possessed people tend to cluster together or associate with each other? Yes, they do. Are there people in high government positions, uh, such as mayors, councilmen, uh, even presidents, uh, national leaders, in your view, who are possessed? I have known leaders, without saying at what level, municipal, state, or federal, who I have known who were possessed. Yes. I don't say which, which country even, but yes, certainly. Are there things... Um, Father, that in the course of a exorcism uh, have occurred that you would not ever talk about publicly? Yes, there are. There are things are connected with uh, somebody's personal shame, things that uh, are very derogatory to a country or a race, and then a third category of things which are forms of blasphemy that hurt you to know. That hurt you to know. Even to know it hurts you. Yeah. It, I, I understand. Yeah. It hurts you to know it, so I, I just know. I wouldn't tell anybody. First time caller line, you're on the air with uh, Dr. Martin. Hello. Yes, hello. Uh, Where are you, please? From Tahanga, uh, Reverie, California. Yes. Okay. Uh, good morning, Doctor. Good, good morning, Art. Yeah, yes. Good morning to the world, really. I, That's right. I, um, I'm wondering whether or not a person can be possessed, first part of this question, and not have any fear. Does that mean it's a complete... Not of any fear. fear. Not of any fear of what? Of anything. Uh, of virtually feeling that that uh, from the from the earliest days of my recollection of my my walk on the onto one side of the hill or the other has allowed me to to experience something that I've always had a notion that may be playing with um, the dark side yes. but I but I, I I wonder if it's possible to have a, a, a possession by as you say, uh, one generation to the next, with a with a spirit or or a demon that has to be not considered really that malevolent. Someone more like uh, well, you may uh, not you may not consider it. So uh, the the question is, can you be possessed and be in effect comfortable with that? Is that your question? Yeah, something like if I, was, I if, I, if my family went back to the Borgias. All right, the, the, the those who are perfectly possessed are quite comfortable and don't want to change. You could, very comfortable. you could have four children and love your children. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And love those you things will, in life? Certainly, you, yes. Yes. You, but you will. You will hand on something. Mm. Because, look, my friend, I will probably never have the pleasure of meeting you. But I know this much, that if we were to meet, if you meet anybody, if you have some interchange with anybody, even on the telephone, even by this radio satellite we're, uh, that is linking us now, you modify the person morally. You've modified me already, and I've modified you. And art has modified me, and I've modified you. There's always 
we human beings are not machines. We receive indelible impressions from each other, even at a distance. And therefore you influence everybody according to the good or the bad in you. And therefore you can't simply say that I can afford children and love them. It says you can, but you're going to give them something that you wouldn't give them if you weren't possessed. You understand You understand exactly what you're being told, don't you, Colin? Yes, yes, I do, but doctor, yes. you sense, uh, you do, do you go by sense or do you go by... Uh, a knowing... No, or understand. It's a knowing, caller. That's it, not a hard answer. It's a knowing. All right. Um, um, I, I would say to that person, um, just being a layman, uh, yes. seek somebody out, eh? That's right. That's what I would. Wildcard line, you're on the air with Dr. Uh, Malachi Martin. Hello. Yes, is that myself? That's you. Okay. Where are you, sir? I'm in Wenatchee, Washington. All right. And um, I had a question, but I just was kind of really thrown off by something. Uh, uh, Father Malachi, is it? Yes. Yes. Okay, pronounce it right. Um, you're talking about um, there are many roads to uh, salvation. Yes. Is that, am I interpreting that right? No, uh, I, I didn't say that. There's only one savior and one salvation. Actually, I think Art said it. Well, uh, we were talking about people not of the Christian faith, and I said there may be many paths. Many paths. Uh, but really, there is there there is only one. It's just that it it is possible, and the discussion was centering around whether it's possible for somebody not of the Christian faith to be saved, to go to heaven as we all would wish, and the answer was yes. The answer is yes. In the way you live your life. And the mechanism is there a reference that I might. Look at her. I beg your pardon. Is, are you are you basing that on a scripture reference? No, I'm not basing it on scripture reference because scripture is not, doesn't contain all the truth I need. Okay. I'm basing it on the teaching of the church. Of the Catholic Church. Of the Catholic Church. Yes, I'm, okay. a, I'm a Catholic priest. Right. I just wanted to uh, clarify that. I, I was thrown off, and I thought, and if, you know, if there's something, I mean, I don't mind you believe whatever you want. No problem at all. Well, you should. You should really mind what I believe. Uh, I really mind what you believe too. I want you to believe the truth, and I want you, uh, you want me to believe the truth. Well, I guess maybe I, I yes. well, whatever. <laughs> you're, not, you're, you're not indifferent to my salvation. I'm not indifferent to your salvation. I want you to be saved, and you want me to be saved. Oh, sure. Yeah, because hell so, is a nasty you know, place. I, I, I can't be feckless and say, oh, do what you like, believe what you like. No, 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 I want you to believe the truth. And I say that with great love. Yeah, I, I didn't want to mislead anybody. I, when I said many paths, I meant uh, for many people in the, right. around the world, there are, it is possible to achieve salvation without uh, necessarily... Formally a Christian. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. Uh, east of the Rockies, you're on the air with Dr. Malachi Martin. Hello. Uh, yeah. I can barely hear you, ma'am. Where are you? Oh, Wisconsin. Wisconsin, Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Right. good. Yeah, I was wondering if, uh, the, you know, like if you talk to people about God... And they get meaner. What's that All right, if you talk to people about God and they get meaner, or they get angry, what does that mean? <laughs> it does happen, all right. Sometimes it depends on the person, though. Sometimes people may think you're just preaching at them and they get angry. They don't want to be preached at. Others, because they don't believe in God and they've shooed away from it, they don't want to be reminded of it. Uh, it can be, there can be various reasons why they get mean, and they shouldn't be mean. They should not get mean. Uh, if there is a particularly violent reaction, yes. then it might have more meaning, might it? That's right. It might have art, yes. It would if it is a particularly violent reaction. Mm -hmm. uh, and as a Catholic, I often meant that in my youth. There was much more prejudice against Catholics. 
funny. Uh, they are. Uh, there was a TV show named that, I think. West of the yes. Rockies, you're on the air with Dr. Malachi Martin. Hi. Hello. Hello. Hello, Doctor and yeah. Art. Yes, where are you, ma'am? I'm in Southern California. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, my question is, <clears throat> excuse me, what are your thoughts about multiple personality disorder? MPDs, as we call them. Yeah. I'll tell you, the experience I've had working with psychiatrists is that the cases we've come across, over 50% are not what traditionally called MPDs. They are a question of multiple demonic possession. And how would that be determined which? Only by exorcism, by trying exorcism. Uh, I'll give you one case, concrete case. Uh, I'll do a start out. Uh, okay, it's a woman, grandmother, uh, engaged in certain rites. Satanist rights uh, affecting the life of her grandchild and her own daughter um, and doing it in the name of Isabel one of their personalities and then suddenly switching to Hilda uh, and so on multiple personality but we decided that it, it, it was too Satanist in its tone and we should try exorcism and having tried exorcism we found there were she was possessed Doctor, is Satanism growing? Put it like this. The incidence of Satanism, both the clergy and the police find, is seems to be on the increase. Seems yes. to be. Yes. It's very hard to know. It seems to be. Is it that it's becoming more open, more flaunting? We don't know. But certainly incidents are much more much more frequent mm. nowadays and uh, you, you never know it's very hard to tell you put that to together with an 800 percent increase in the northeast where you are in exorcism yes. <sighs> there does seem there's a special influence now, I, I should art but it, 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 it's not relevant perhaps but I should tell you the attitude of the Roman Catholic Church for a long time has been that this is especially it's a time of history, especially uh, in which uh, Satan, uh, Lucifer, has special liberty, which will end with the year 2000. But it's a part of inner Catholic law, that. East of the Rockies, you're on the air with Dr. Malachi Martin. Hello. Yes, this is Betty in Kansas City. Hello, yes, Betty. Betty. Hi. Uh, doctor, did I not understand you to say earlier in the program that many of the young priests nowadays don't believe in a hell? That's right. You know, my, I am the wife of a Baptist preacher. Yes. And for years now, we have, my husband and I have had this theory that uh, so many times we hear the love of God preached, but, but there's no the old-fashioned hell, fire, and brimstone. I know, that, that's gone that's yes. from, the, from Catholic that's why, that's why we're in such trouble today. I know it is. I agree with you, ma'am. Yes. I Doctor, it's, it's real, isn't it? It's as real as the nose on your face, Art. And it's not as beautiful as your nose. <laughs> <laughs> Just to make a joke to relieve the tension. Because <laughs> yes. um, I shouldn't be making physical references, but it's an expression in Ireland where I grew up. Um, uh, my nose is an open target. Don't worry about it. <laughs> no, it's just it's like as plain as the nose in your face is a famous phrase in Ireland. They're all saying it. It's as plain as the nose in your face that he. Of course. But um, 
received a lot of, uh, not a lot, a few angry, very angry faxes. I'm sure you have. Uh, sure you have. How dare you, Art, expose the audience to this old-fashioned, uh, uh -huh. the fear of God in them, Helen fire and uh -huh. You know, people very angry. Oh, they are. I know they're very angry. And as I say, my reading of the real, really, really, really angry ones is that this disturbs the way of life. This manifests a weakness. This tells the truth about the way they live, and they don't like that to be reminded of it. Enough said. West of the Rockies, you're on the air with Dr. Malachi and Martin. Hello. Good morning, Art. Good morning, sir. Where are you? Uh, Kentucky. All right. Got one real quick question uh, yes. for Dr. Malachi. Would you please make some kind of comment or explanation about the witch of Endor and Saul and Samuel? There's no doubt about it that the function of the witch of Endor was well, what we would say as a channeler, if you know what channeling is nowadays. Oh, yes. Uh, that's what she was doing, and she was used by Satan to uh, give Saul a sense of despair so that he could commit, so that he finally did commit suicide the following day instead of trusting God. When you, you speak of channeling. Uh, there are many means of channeling. Isn't the Ouija board just another channeling of avenue? Of course. Of course. That's what it is. First time caller line. You're on the air with Dr. Malachi Martin. Hi. Yes, uh, Art. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, Where are you? I'm in Memphis, Tennessee. This is Billy. Hi, Billy. Uh, um, doctor, I'm quoting from Mark 16. It's a big familiar passage to you. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes in his baptized shall be saved. He that believes not shall be damned. That's right. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. Yes. It just said that the, uh, the requirement where is there to believe to cast out devils. Where do you, what do you base your, your premise on that you have to be of special authority? with him, you know what I mean? 
It doesn't. Uh, it doesn't mean knows who the next pope is. Okay. okay. One other real quick question, sir, yes. please. Uh, a very good friend of mine here that lives in the same building that I do. We talk about um, about what uh, you've been talking about this evening or this morning, rather. Yes. Uh, there is two particular demons that I don't know what the names of them are, but he has stated that he has seen one that attacked his wife. Very quickly, Connor. In, in, in a sexual manner. Yes. There's one for men and then one for women. Yes. What are those names, please? I don't know. I don't know. There is... I only know the name of two demons. One is Lucifer, the other is Satan. They're distinct demons. Doctor, uh, we're coming to the end of the program. Um, it has been incredible. Uh, I want to thank you very much for having me. Um, I want to thank you very much for being here. It has been absolutely incredible. And uh, perhaps one day we will do it again. If not, this will certainly stand as uh, the definitive program we've ever done on this subject. And Art, I tell you, all you've got to do is to call me and tell me, and I will come to you. I'll do your show again, again and again and again. It's too much of a privilege to expect it, but I will do it whenever you are. listening.